Welcome to Inside the Vatican with American Media. In this episode, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I will update you on the coronavirus cases in the Vatican. We'll also talk about the new set of prayers for a mass in the time of pandemic that Pope Francis approved this week. After that, Dr. Christiana Zenner, a theologian and water ethics researcher, weighs in on the new Vatican document about the just use of water. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome. The spring has come and there's a good atmosphere in the air because uh, in this area, Lazio and the region of Lazio in which Rome is, uh, yesterday the drop in new cases was 5%. And nationally there was a drop. And then there's a lot of people being cured. So there's a, even though a lot of people still dying, there's a feeling that maybe spring is coming. That's great to hear because, you know, New York is is starting to enter into the worst of it. Um, let's do some quick updates on what's going on inside the Vatican for our listeners. Uh, first up, I want to start with two new coronavirus cases in the Vatican. So the first was um, Cardinal Angelo de Donatis, who is the Pope's vicar for Rome. He tested positive for coronavirus earlier this week, and he was admitted to a hospital in Rome. Uh, the Vatican said that those who work closely with him are in isolation. And then the second one was a layman who works in the Vatican. He's been isolated since mid-March, and they said he got the virus from his wife who works in a hospital. Um, so, Jerry, these these two new cases kind of raised a question for me that I was hoping you could answer, which is, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about how the, the lay employees of the Vatican were working from home, but you said that some of the clergy were still going in. What does remote work in the Vatican look like right now, now that there's more cases? Well, the Vatican, uh, several Vatican officials told me they're just doing the essential work. And so they sometimes tell the staff to come in, but very rarely. And the, the lay people are working from home because the, the lay people are Italians. They would have to come in every day. They're working from home. And some of the Vatican staff in the off in the, who are living in residences near the Vatican, like at the bottom of the Via della Conciliazione, that's the street leading up to the Vatican, or in Santa Marta, they, they go to work. But they live inside also, uh, pretty separate. They, respecting the social distances. And if they have to go to the Vatican supermarket, as many of them do, they have to have masks and gloves. And so the Vatican is observing the strict regime that is also uh, enforced in Italy. Got it. Now, you and I have been talking in recent weeks about how the Vatican's response to the virus has really prioritized the people who are most strongly affected by this and, and also by the fallout from it particularly the healthcare workers and the people on the margins of society. Um, this week, we saw Pope Francis take yet another step towards making sure that the church is praying for the people who are affected. Um, and he did this by approving two new liturgical texts. I was hoping that you could tell us briefly about those. Well, this was expected that on Good Friday, you have, I think, 10 prayers for general intentions of the, on the church around the world and on society. Right. You have to kneel down in the middle of and yeah. Yes. There's an introduction and then you kneel and then there's a prayer at the end. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious that this was, there was going to be one on this virus, this epidemic that is a pandemic that's uh, touching the whole world. And so, 
the, the Vatican released this and it was approved by the Pope and they published it. And second one was there's been a lot of requests from different countries around that maybe we should have a, a special prayers, a special section of the Mass specifically for this emergency. And again, they've drafted prayers and they've published them now with the Pope's approval. Right, a Mass in time of pandemic. Yeah, and it's this is, of course, bringing... Uh, the spiritual dimension into the whole of the crisis. Because uh, while the Pope, through his various agencies, tries to reach out to the various people who are on the margins of society, it's also important that he sees as central that he communicates the message of Christ, that Christ heals, that Christ is the Lord of history, that history is not running amok, and that the Lord of history is in control of history. It's not just without anybody in charge. Right. And that's healing not just in a health sense, but also in, in a spiritual sense, the sense of mercy we keep talking about. Absolutely. We're also seeing this this real spiritual effort uh, carried forward into action, right? One story that really captured that this week um, was this webinar that the Superior General of the Jesuits, Arturo Souza, gave on April 2nd. Um, Jerry, Father Souza said so many really moving things in his talk, but you know, can you tell me what briefly stood out to you? Well, uh, two things really stood out for me. The first thing was that uh, he said we shouldn't look at this just as a nightmare, the COVID-19, but rather as a wake-up call. And he said that there's even a bigger virus in the world that we're not paying attention to, and it's the virus of injustice. And then I, I thought he, he, in a brilliant way he said without mentioning the fact that in the Western world, we are told to wash our hands, to put wear masks, etc. He says, my first thoughts are with the poor and those who are on the margins of our society. Mm -hmm. He said, they have little access to health care if they get sick, or to clean water and soap with which to wash their hands. Mm -hmm. He said, indeed, for many of the poorest in our world, if they're told to stay indoors, in other words, lockdown, or to practice social distancing, this will mean they cannot earn their daily wage. And in turn, this means they will not have food to put on the table for their family. And so he, he summed it up. He said, so they're faced with a stark choice between sickness or starvation. I, I think he captured something very, very powerful there. And it shows the contrast of the world. And this virus of injustice that's part of the world. And then, of course, he said for the Jesuits, and but also for Christians, he says, you know, the society moves on two legs. One is the spiritual one, and one is the intellectual one. Hmm. The spiritual one, because you, you've got to understand this in terms of God's, God being present in history. And he's, uh, I, I was listening, I was participating in this. One, one, I was one of the thousand linked into the uh, Father General's uh, conversation. The webinar. Yeah. And the a Japanese said, well, the, many people are asking, where is God in all this? Do you remember we, we had this question some weeks, weeks back? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, he said, well, there are many gods. He said, but we, for us, it's the God of Jesus Christ. And where is Jesus Christ? He's on the cross. Mm -hmm. And where is he on the cross today? In the sick people, in the suffering people. And he said, God is there, present among them. 
Right. It's very beautiful. And then, of course, he's saying we have to use our intelligence. And he, here he's calling for real intellectual reflection on this whole crisis. And I think th this is a crucial question now. After the pandemic, when it has ended, where are we going? Right. What's, what are we going to be? What kind of world are we going to build? What kind of protection from another pandemic that may come five, ten years down the line? Yeah, you know, in this in this talk by Father Sosa, um, I was really touched by the parts where he, these things he says about poverty, he says because he's seen it firsthand. He described a recent trip he took to India where he where he saw this, um, and then you know you mentioned the kind of uh, importance that he he drew out of using both the intellect and one's faith to kind of understand this and decide how to go forward. Um, he really exhorted the the Jesuits in this meeting and also the other folks who were in the meeting, because it wasn't all just Jesuits, to use this Ignatian sense of discernment and to discern where they were being called to action uh, in this pandemic and then following it, which I thought was was really important and, you know, very at the heart of what Jesuits are called to. Yes, and he, and he mentioned about the importance of young people. He did. He said, in our schools and colleges across the world, we've over two million students. That's a powerful body. I mean, it's an enormous uh, group of people. Mm -hmm. He says, I, can, I dream of a society of Jesus that can imagine and put into practice great things like Ignatius, Francis, Savior, and so many Jesuits in the history. But he, he was pointing especially to the young people in the colleges and universities. And Pope Francis has said many times to them, you know, you shouldn't leave the future in the hands of the politicians and the rulers. Mm -hmm. You have a part and a role to play. And I think this is what's coming through now. All right, Jerry, that seems like a great place for us to wrap up this first part of our show. Um, so I'm going to go on and interview Dr. Christiana Zenner about this new document about water, but I will let you go. Thank you so much for talking through these stories with me, and I'll chat with you next week. Thank you, Colleen, and I hope uh, in New York and across the states the virus begins to flatten out a little and not continue in its aggressive way as it is at present. Me too. Yeah, we're doing our best. We're doing our best here. Thanks. On March 30th, the Vatican's Office of Integral Human Development released a new document called Aqua Fons Vitae, Orientations on Water, Symbol of the Cry of the Poor and the Cry of the Earth. Joining me today to discuss this document is Dr. Christiana Zenner, author of the book Just Water, Theology, Ethics, and Freshwater Crises. Welcome to Inside the Vatican, Dr. Zenner. Thank you for having me. Um, let's let's start our discussion at kind of a high level. Can you tell me briefly the couple of points that stood out to you the most in this document? Sure. This is a 46-page document that builds on a lot of work that has been done within Catholic social teaching and especially amplified since Pope Francis. And I think several aspects that stand out to me um, have to do, first of all, with the structure of the document. It, in particular, more than other papal documents, is very concerned to articulate challenges pertaining to water and then responses, or as they call them, operational proposals on levels of awareness and advocacy and on commitment and a local level. So that 
focused particularity of response and giving specific guidelines for what churches, schools, communities, and interested individuals can do is much more developed than in previous kinds of teachings or documents. Another interesting aspect and set of ideas in the document is that the first and most substantive chapter is called Recognizing the Value of Water, where the document talks about water's religious values, social, socio-cultural and aesthetic values, institutional values, and water as a value for peace, and then questions about economic value, and in particular, clarifications about the privatization of water. This has been a big topic since really the beginning of the time that the Catholic Church started talking about freshwater issues in around 2002, 2003. And it continues through Laudato Si, continues through this document to really clarify uh, papal and magisterial concerns about the privatization of freshwater and the ways in which that has implications for lack of access of humans to what the church views as a fundamental human right. So what does the document say about the privatization of water? I know that you pointed out uh, previously that this was a really important part of the document. So if you take a look at paragraph 30, um, the clarification that is offered here says that any attempt to reflect the economic value of water through a market system or a tariff is not by itself enough to universally achieve the right to safe drinking water. This has been a point of some debate in international communities about whether private provision of water through various economic measures could secure the right to water. And the Catholic Church here seems to be saying, no, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. There's also a further stipulation, a set of bullet points, really, and that's an interesting aspect of the document. There are a lot more bullet points in this document than there are in standard Catholic documents. Right. We usually don't see those. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so there's a, almost a checklist of what constitutes water privatization from a Catholic ethical perspective. Um, so the document says the tendency to privatize water is manifest if and when, and it goes through about, let's see, six, seven bullet points. Lack of transparency and accountability. Environmental sustainability is disregarded. Human rights, human dignity, and inter- integral development are disregarded all themes that are really close to the heart of Catholic social teaching on fresh water. And as you noted in the introduction, this being a document from the Dicastery for the Promotion of Integral Human Development, there's a lot of that language of human development, integral human development, and since Pope Francis, the explicit expansion of that to include ecological goods, and as this document indicates, that centrally includes fresh water. Right. So, you know, you mentioned that this is um, quite a long document, 46 pages. Um, And I'm wondering, so it seems obvious that that was kind of in the works for a long time, but it it also pins itself to the current crisis that we're in. And I was wondering if you could talk about kind of how this this document situates itself in the current moment. Thank you for asking that. I was really surprised when I opened the document, first, that it was released during a time of global pandemic, and I hadn't heard any murmurings that this was coming. So. It, it, you know, came through my email and I thought, wow, this is interesting. And as I opened it, I was even more intrigued because the introductory sections comment on the fact that we, and we here meaning global humanity, are in fact in the middle of a global pandemic that is unprecedented in many ways. And so while in one sense, the reference to COVID is a hook that says, yes, we recognize we are in this particular moment. It's also recognizing that there are deep imbrications among different realms of human being and flourishing in the present day. 
And so questions of pandemic, public health, access to resources, institutional forms of governance are all interwoven. And um, I, you know, it, it is not necessarily the tendency of the Catholic Church to be primarily responsive to news headlines, but I think that in this pandemic moment affecting global humanity, both in this document and in what Pope Francis has been doing and the kinds of messages he's been sending out, there is a real attention to how this plight reveals much about the disenfranchisements and the vulnerabilities of many people worldwide. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up. Um, and this is kind of a, a bigger qu- question here, like a bigger picture question. Um, but, you know, why why does the Vatican see it important to to speak out about issues like this? You know, we, we hear a lot of these calls from the Vatican about, like, international relations, things like that. And those are some things that I've been looking at recently. And, you know, sometimes when I see these, I wonder, like, is this going to have an impact? Are people going to listen? Or if... If not, you know, what is what is this trying to accomplish? And I was kind of wondering if you could speak to that a bit. That's a great question. Well, the Vatican, as we know, is an observer state at the United Nations. Pope Francis gave remarks there in 2015 after Laudato Si was promulgated. And I think what we see between the Vatican's global reach and its particular connection to communities of faith is also replicated in this document. The introduction goes through and says this document is aimed at the local level, at churches and communities. It's also aimed at a broader universal church level. And as with Laudato Si, it's open to people from any tradition or none who Mm -hmm. want to think about these kinds of issues. But then it also notes that there are many international organizations and community partners with which the church works. And this document is also oriented to them. Hence, I think some of the operational proposals of what might be done in particular scales and venues. Um, I I will say that a a criticism that a number of people had of Laudato Si was that while it was beautifully exhortatory and conceptually really intriguing and suggestive, a number of people, including many of my students, when they read Laudato Si, come out of it saying, well, what can I do specifically? Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of document that answers those questions. So it will be very interesting to think through that. All right. Dr. Christiana Zenner, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We are hoping to have some more in-depth analysis of Aqua Fons Dite here on Inside the Vatican soon. In the meantime, the document is available on the website of the Decastery for Integral Human Development, and I'll link to it in the show notes. That does it for this update of Inside the Vatican. If you appreciate these updates that we've been doing, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm Colleen Deli. Stay safe, take care, and we'll see you next time.